You're listening to Oh Yoshi Did It Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi and Lilith Arvani. This is Yoshi. I'm in back in uh, my hometown, Seattle, Washington, and I'm here with my uh, good friend, uh, going to be a good friend, hopefully, uh, a friend of my younger brother, uh, Yoshihiro, and um, um, I, I want everyone to listen to this episode very carefully, and uh, hopefully uh, we have a good conversation. So I'm here with Mr. Charles Kraft, and um, incredible artist, ceramic artwork, and uh, been very successful years, and recently controversial article was released in Stranger. Uh, uh, I'm going to make a note. I haven't had a chance to read that. I did read other articles and look at his artwork and they're incredible and I want to give him opportunity to first of all talk about his background and how he started uh, art business and um, talk about the controversy. So uh, uh, Mr. Kraft, uh, th thanks for doing this. I know this is such a last minute. I know you're busy and I know um, you seem very uh, um, doing well. Uh, but I'm sure recently people have been giving you a hard time about your um, ideas. So, right. how are you doing? I'm okay. Uh, uh -huh. As I explained to you this morning, uh, yeah. Or when you came, that uh, I was notified that one of my uh, galleries in Australia has removed my art from their display. Right. Their display shelves. So, so because maybe some people don't know your background, I guess. Um, um, I don't know how many people, but something about Holocaust denying on and on. And so they're throwing all these names at you. So do you want to tell us, you know... What happened? Yeah. Because three months before, everything was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in a nutshell, um, it's a result of uh, social media and mm -hmm. Facebook. And I have a Facebook page. And I, what I used to post on my Facebook page occasionally, but not always, yeah. uh, were um, Holocaust uh, revisionist videos. Okay. Because um, there have been um, court cases mm -hmm. about it that uh, have been forgotten, and there has been uh, videos made about the um, evidence for the Holocaust. Okay. Which interests me. So periodically... I would uh, post something like that at my um, Facebook, uh, what do they call that page? Your profile page or something? Yeah. Well, it could be a fan page. Uh, it's not a yeah. fan page, it's just, you know, my, my home page. Okay, home page, yeah. Um, and then I would stand back and I would watch the dialogue. Uh, right. Because that kind of amused me. I was, I was taking um, kind of a guilty pleasure in watching people argue. Right. And, and I didn't step in with my own um, opinions, really. I just let them go at it. Right. And I attracted a, um, a lurker who was very um, crude and uh, kind of vicious in his uh, commenting. Yes. And I was warned by my friends that it would be a good idea if I blocked this guy who was masquerading as a female. He had uh, three sock puppets. Yeah. And he'd get on the page and he'd uh, attack these posters and uh, he did it in such a way that um, it attracted um, 
a letter from a uh, psychology professor at a local um, college okay. who um, thought that I was the lurker, that these were my sock puppets, and she was. She told me that she was surprised that I, I hadn't been outed in the art community as a bigot and a Holocaust denier. And I wrote her back and I said, no, this isn't me, this is somebody else. Um, I'm all for free speech. I don't like to censor and I don't like to be censored, so um, you can just have to put up with you yeah. know, this stuff on my page and you, you don't have to go there if you don't like it. And if you think I should be outed in the community as a bigot, why don't you do the outing? Okay. And, um, and let's be honest, um, if you're an artist or writer or comedian or film director, free speech is a, such an important part of our business. So, I, 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 so far I don't see you did anything wrong with that. No, I'm, I'm um, a, a, a radical free speech yes. Uh, advocate. Yes. And um, that's what I said. I said, um, if you think that this is necessary, then maybe you should be the one to do it. So I got a letter from an email from the uh, local uh, art critic at The Stranger, mm -hmm. and she wrote to me and said, I've received an anonymous uh, email for, from somebody who claims you're a Holocaust denier. Are you? This came right out of the blue, and I wrote her back. I said, um, I don't, unless there's an art show with some of my um, <coughs> art on display, uh, somewhere in town that you'd like some clarification on or extra information about uh, what business is, is it of yours if I'm a Holocaust denier or not? Yeah. And also, um, anybody that would accuse me of that doesn't have my best interest in, at heart, so I, I, I declined to answer the question. Okay. Fair enough. And um, so she did say that fair enough exactly the same words you just uh, okay. used fair enough okay about nine months later um, a, a local blogger mm -hmm. uh, posted on my Facebook page a rant about me and and my my bigotry okay because you can't edit um, comments no he had the uh, here's what happened he had the ability because he posted it on my page at this attack to edit all the comments and when people were commenting in my favor he would delete them on my own page oh I see they disappeared right and only and then he wrote this is not an uh, this is not a debate but that's on my page so the only people that could uh, comment that he would allow to comment on my page uh, were the ones that were on his side of the of the uh, the argument. Well, I blocked him mm -hmm. so that I could get control of my page back. Right. <laughs> then I reposted his piece and right. let people make decision on make decision. You know, if you want to say I'm a bigot and a, a, a racist and mm -hmm. a, a Nazi, uh, go ahead. You know. Right. Fine. But I'm not going to be censoring. Uh, let this other person do all the censoring he wants but if it's on my page and you're commenting yeah you know free reign right so that happened and then um, I got an e email within like a week of that uh, from that critic again this is nine months after the first um, notification from that anonymous person who okay. I suspect is a psychology professor the, the same one you know that I told to out me 
um, she said, I'm, and I was in India, by the way, um, I'm going to go ahead and write about you and Holocaust, uh, your, your Holocaust re revisionism, whether you like it or not. And I have some questions, and you can answer them or you can't, but the, the article's going to be published in, two week, in a week, seven days. Right. So I, I wrote her back. I said, okay, send me the questions. I'll look them over. I'll answer them if I, if I feel like it, and I, I won't answer them. Uh, if I don't feel like it, but I did answer him, mm -hmm. and she quoted me, and this right. article that came out. Did she quote you exactly, or did she cut it in half, or anything like that? She um, pretty much, you know, quoted me exactly. Okay. I can't fault her for, um, you know, ed editorial chicanery. Yes. She was pretty straightforward. Plus, she'd gone back onto the net and had tracked my um, my uh, uh, post at certain. Uh, websites that I visit that mm -hmm. have to do with historical revisionism and um, I was also on a radio program discussing the Holocaust and um, uh, she got um, she, she um, didn't like the place where I was broadcasting from I mean mm -hmm. she figured that was a racist site right so um, then the article came out and there was a great big huge um, uh, controversy in, in the community among the artists here and I think they received more comments on that particular article than they've ever received in the history of the newspaper is that right yeah for arts coverage oh, okay for, for an arts article I don't know about another article maybe. right but for in the arts I think this generated more um, comments I think they cut it off at like 250 300 so what's What's going through you? I mean, when you well, I got tired of reading these comments because most yeah. people that were commenting, really, they don't know the territory. And um, it's a waste of my time to try to... It's really kind of a waste of time to try to educate somebody that's not ready to be educated about this particular subject. You have to be um, open-minded. Yes. And you have to be a little bit skeptical at, at the onset, uh, onset to... Um, you know, I've, I've been personally been attacked too, and it's one of those things when people are attacking you, they're not using their name, they're not attaching their face to it. Yeah. It's, it's a really cheap shot attack. It wasn't quite the same thing, but you know, you do certain kinds of joke. I've been accused of being sexist, racist, Islamophobe, and things like that, on and on and on. I don't, I don't mind, but it's just when people mislead what I said, yeah. it really upsets me. It was really, well, it doesn't, it's more annoyance, or they, think they know me simply because they heard me say something uh, and they always take things out of context that's what I was really annoyed by that whole thing and I'm sure you, you're going through that too but before we continue I, I, don't, I really don't know when people say Holocaust denier or skeptics I mean are they all there's a there's nuanced difference right and like what does that mean like okay uh, the word Holocaust be, let me go back to one yeah. thing only um about out of context. Right. That that article in the Stranger, I thought was going to be a local um, story, but yeah. it went viral and it went international. And as a result of uh, of um, the story get, uh, making it to Europe, yeah, um, my work was pulled out of an ex uh, exhibition in Paris, right. France. So, um, uh, and about out of context, no, uh, the the original reporter didn't take my words out of context but as it m mutated into 
story upon story upon story. Yes. Um, my words were taken out of context. And, um, and you know, quite often, most people don't even read the article. They just read the headline. Yeah. The only thing they'll see is your name and with Holocaust, and that's it. Yeah. And, and you know, um, there's a lot of that. The most egregious um, out of context mm -hmm. quoting that, that happened uh, to me was from Vice magazine. Okay. Uh, London Vice, not New York. Okay. So he called me up and I gave him a telephone interview. Do, do, do you remember who it was? Uh, no, I don't. But I think I've got his email address on the uh, return. I actually, I know people there. Do you? Yeah. I've actually, I'm, I'll probably meet a couple of them in New York office in maybe 10 days. Well, I'll keep putting it up, you know, um, for sure. You don't have to go back there. Oh. It's, it's over. I mean, yeah. once this has been That's done true. to you, there's no way to. There's um, no regress. Yeah, there's no, there's no way to undo the damage. They don't. Yeah. Vice and these bloggers and these uh, websites, mm -hmm. they don't do due diligence. Uh, yeah, well, due diligence. Uh, sometimes a newspaper will apologize for mm -hmm. a, a misquote, or they'll apologize for misinformation. Yeah. On the internet, nobody apologizes for anything. Yeah. So don't forget it. That's a waste of your time. It's a waste of my time to try to hold these people accountable for misquoting right. me. Anyway, so where were we? Because I wanted to answer that other question about Holocaust denial, yes. Holocaust skepticism, yeah. and Holocaust um, revisionism. Yeah. Uh, it used to be called um, revisionism. Okay. Um, that was before, I would say, uh, uh, around 1995. Um, it became, with the media, Holocaust denial, and they don't make any um, qualitative judgment about that word. If anybody is doubting the Holocaust, you're a denier. Right. It's very misleading and it's a weaponized term that they use to make the person that has the doubts about certain um, events that they call the Holocaust, uh, make them look like crackpots, make them look like they're neo-Nazis, mm -hmm make them look anti-Semitic and uh, marginalize them um, with, with Holocaust denier. That term, it always appears in the paper now. So, um, Holocaust, and then the public believes that the person that is being accused of Holocaust denial doesn't believe it happened. Right. There's no Holocaust denier, quote unquote, that I know, who doesn't believe there was a Holocaust. I mean, everybody knows uh, that uh, great numbers of Jews lost their lives in World War II. Absolutely. So nobody's doubting that, especially Holocaust deniers, because they're trying to find out how many and how this happened. Right. And they're doing a lot of um, extra research in archives, that's called primary research, and then in libraries, mm -hmm. that's secondary research, to try to get, you know, to, to the sort this story out because it's become a myth right and and it, it's become a myth because of the media and the media attention to these events uh, the movies and the uh, television programs and the literature I mean every year it's a story that does not go away it does not fade with time it only gets bigger so you're 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 I want to make sure I understand. Yeah. This. So you're more questioning the numbers, like it's not six million, but you're. you're yeah, I'm questioning the numbers and I'm questioning mm -hmm. the gas chambers. I see. So I'm, I have very serious doubts about 
anybody being put to death in a gas chamber. But you, you, you don't do. Uh, obviously, we don't deny that the people, Jewish people got killed in World War II. No. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, for example, if if there is a family of Jewish people in a house and they bombed them, is that considered as a Holocaust or just just? A, a that's a Holocaust. Oh, so it does count as a Holocaust. Uh, well, they would they would uh, they would add those uh, victims of Allied bombing in Germany mm-hmm. to but the Holocaust. Dresden. Yeah, Dresden, mm-hmm. of course. Okay. Any any Jewish death in World War Two is all automatically a Holocaust victim. Uh, no matter how they died. Yeah. Uh, they have partisan warfare on the Eastern Front with um, mm-hmm. um, um, non-uniform combatants, Jewish brigades. Yes. Those guys were uh, attacking um, under the Geneva Convention. They had um, the Germans had a right to shoot them on the spot because they're right. unidentified non-uniform combatants, and it, you can do that. You can shoot a partisan if you catch him. So those people. We're, we're when there was a fight, when the Jews were fighting back in Warsaw, yeah. they had weapons to start fighting Nazis. And are you saying that if they were got shot by a Nazi, that's considered also as Holocaust too? Yeah. Okay, so, huh? Because I, I also wonder, like, whenever they talk about the Chinese and Russians getting killed in World War Two, and it's it's a, such a huge gap, like. Well, Chinese, they always say some neighborhood between 30 to 50 million. That's a pretty huge range. Are we uh, talking about, what, the Nanking Massacre? Well, uh, among other... Oh, that was Japanese against Chinese. Yeah, but... but uh, and also the Russian uh, Western Front, I mean, you know, millions and millions, and, but they don't quite have the exact same number. Who I mean, doesn't have the numbers? I don't go there, but tell me, I'm interested. Oh, no, I mean, just I every time I read history, it just seemed like they always say 20 million Russians died in, 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 um, during World War II. Uh-huh. Sometimes numbers like thirty, so I don't quite understand why the range is so big. Oh yeah, and then I'm not denying any, any of it. It just, I just don't know. Like they will, they don't get upset when they question Russians. How many Russian dies? Or how they many don't even care. Yeah, nobody cares about how many Russians died. I think didn't they determine that um, something like thirty million died in World War Two? Something like that, or maybe even higher. Yeah, um, I think it's thirty million uh, Russians. So, so you're, you're questioning the two big part, which is the numbers and the method they were killed. Yeah. Okay. And, and did you come to those conclusions based on, obviously, research and reading? And um, Yeah, it's basically reading, and I've mm-hmm. been to, um, uh, I've been to archives in London looking up uh, things, and in Romania. Okay. I went to uh, Bucharest, Romania twice. Yes. Looking into this story that obsessed me for about four years about a um, Orthodox priest that the first Nazi war criminal in America yes. who was deported. I, I was very interested in his story. Right. And I wanted to get to the bottom of the charges against him. And I took myself under my own uh, steam to uh, Bucharest, Romania to do research. Is that Mr. Uh, Archbishop Trifa? Yeah, that's yeah. him. Okay. Mm-hmm. You did your homework. So, so what happened to he, he was a war criminal or? He was a war criminal. Uh, uh, well, here's the story. He, okay. he couldn't have been a war criminal because um, what he was charged with uh, was an, um, inciting a riot in downtown Bucharest that happened six months before right. um, Romania entered World War II on the side of the Axis powers. Okay. 
So um, he couldn't have had anything to do with the Holocaust. He came to the United States. Uh, he, in fact, he ended up in Buchenwald concentration camp with um, some other... Uh, there was a pooch in Mo Romania. Okay. And the government was split between um, uh, Marshal Antonescu, who was um, took over after King Carol left the country under okay. duress. He was sharing power with a, a group called the Legion of the Archangel Michael. And when um, Antonescu went to visit Adolf Hitler, Hitler said that they really needed the gas, uh, the gasoline in Polesht, which is in Romania, for Operation Barbarossa, which was their attack on the Soviet Union. And he didn't like these religious Christian fanatics uh, sharing power with um, the, the conducator, they called him, mm -hmm. um, Antonescu. So Antonescu came back from his visit to Berlin and he um, had the army, Romanian army, relieve all the legionaries of their positions yeah. in the city governments. And they ran the post office, the police departments, the power companies, um, and assorted other municipal um, bureaucracies throughout the country. Okay. The legionaries did not put, they did not go out without a fight. There was three days of anarchy in Bucharest street fighting between the legionaries and the Romanian army. Right. And um, in the course of that um, three days of anarchy, the Jewish quarter got ransacked and um, 120 Jews lost their lives. They call it a pogrom, which means a crime against Jews. Just as many Gentiles lost their life in that three-day period as Jews did, but yeah. you never hear about their deaths. So that's one thing I learned about this. And pogrom was huge in Russia. Uh, pogroms, pogrom, yeah. yeah. Um, the Cossacks are always um, blamed for going into the Jewish villages. ghettos and, yeah. and uh, murdering people. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I picked up a, a, a paperback book about Nazis in America on a, for a bus ride. I needed something to read. Right. And um, I just grabbed this piece of pulp, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's how I got involved in um Revisionism, it, it was, um, I wasn't really interested in it at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it, it, I became obsessed with this story. I wanted to know more and more about why this man was deported. And the more I read about it, the more it looked like everything had been trumped up uh, against him. And he was a pawn in a, in a political game Yes, that's uh, very complex. And I think we probably don't have time to get into the, all the nuances of it. But it had to do with America... Um, allowing Romania to keep its most favored nation trading status. Um, that's uh, when you're a most favored nation with American, with the Americans um, in trade, you get all kinds of um, uh, perks. And uh, in order uh, for um, Ceausescu, who was that communist dictator that they killed in Romania, to right. keep that status, he had to concoct evidence against Viral Trifa, um, and he had the KGB help him do it. Right. So it was false evidence that was used to um, to deport this man. Plus, the international um, immigration INS Naturalization and Immigration Service. Yes. They were aware of a confession in a book that had been written by the head of the the um, intelligence unit in Romania. Who, 
who admitted he was responsible for cooking up this false evidence against the Archbishop. He said it in his book. But the INS didn't take that into consideration because these are civil uh, cases against these war criminals. You don't go to a jury trial, you just go to an INS courtroom and, and you, you're dealt with there. And um, I'm, I'm sorry, so he was kicked out of Romania and he... No, kicked out of the United States. United States, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, he, was on, he came to the United States in the 1950s to start a, a, a Romanian um, Orthodox Church in Michigan. I see. And that's where he, he was until he um, left the country in 1983. He arrived in about 53 and left in, well, yeah, about 51, 51 or 2 or 3 around, I think in the 50s, early 50s. So, yeah, um, that's how I got um, uh, kind of infected with this curiosity right. about World War II. And uh, the more I looked into a little bit deeper than your standard books about the subject, yeah. the more there were, um, I discovered uh, uh, not that the, the whole story hadn't been told. We get we get kind of a a veneer story of American um, heroism, and it's the good war and yeah. and all that, and it, the the real history of the war. I don't think is is going to be written for a long time because there's a taboo against going in into these areas. I, I, and, I, and let's um, let's be honest; it's very emotional, um, you know, controversial subject matter. Well, I, I guess I'm, obviously I'm not a Jewish person. So, what do you what do you think they're feared? Like, if people deny that ever happened, do they think it's going to happen to them again? Is, what what is the fear of? dispute with number. The numbers? Yeah. Because um, if they're going to tell me they're, they're afraid that this might happen again, I have news for them. When Schindler's List was released in 1993, I, I, I think it might have been President Clinton or uh, Steven Spielberg, one of those guys said, never again. But I have to say, every time any liberal person said never again, you know goddamn well it's going to happen again. <laughs> And, and because it was within six months or a year later, the whole genocide in Central Africa, Rwanda happened. So, yeah. um, it's, it's, I don't know, I'm, I'm personally surprised it doesn't happen more often. Because I'm, I'm a bit cynical, I study history and like, terrible things have to happen over and over and again. Yeah. And I don't want to make a lot of genocide because serious, but I will say this. It's interesting that the term genocide was uh, uh, termed by uh, Raphael Lemkin. Yes, yeah. he was Polish of a Jewish descent, and he was talking about Armenian genocide. No, was he the Armenian genocide, or was he talking about? He was talking about Armenian genocide. Are you sure? Oh yes, nineteen fifteen to nineteen twenty-three, and um, irony was years before he came to the United States to work for the. Um... No, no, he wrote. A, the, he started writing that term, and and uh, if I'm, if I'm I, could, I could be wrong, but. Um, I have a lot of Armenians friends down yeah. in Glendale, California, but my understanding that here's this Polish person of Jewish descent uh, studying and writing about Armenian genocide, and he t termed the term genocide about that. Cold irony, years later, you know, his people suffered during World War II, but before we get, like, pinpoint, you know, people start pointing finger about you, questioning yeah. number, and things like that, I just wonder 
if you're going to be concerned about genocide, then you should be concerned about all genocide, not just Jewish genocide, but Armenian genocide, because I have a lot of Jewish friends down in LA. I just wonder, is Israel do business with Turkey mm -hmm. for geopolitical reasons? I'm sure they're not happy about it, but they have to do it. But Turkey, to this day, still deny they had anything to do with Armenian genocide. Do you know where my yeah, mind with this? So, so like, either you, it just seems like it just come across like they're only concerned with Jewish genocide. And the I Jewish people want to have a, a, a... I don't like the genocide in Armenia. I don't like genocide in... Uh, Rwanda. R Rwanda. I don't like... Genocide anyway. There was a genocide against the uh, Ukrainians. Yes. The Kulaks were starved to death by Stalin. They call that a genocide. It's called the Holdemar. Yes. That's a genocide, but the only one that you really are allowed to um, hear about, really, is is the um, Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that Raphael Lemkin, I forgot that he was writing about the Armenian genocide. Oh, that's where it, that's where it all started with him. So, but but listen, let, yeah. let me let me finish the story. Yeah. Uh, he was brought to the United States uh, to work for. Um, the Carnegie Foundation of Peace. Yes. And he was writing a book about atrocities, German atrocities. Mm -hmm. And um, the, uh, I don't remember the name of the book that he wrote while he was in the United States, but I always wondered how did he get into the United States during World War II to do this. He was snuck in, I believe. And uh, uh, secondly, the Nuremberg trial uh, crimes against humanity and crimes against peace were invented by um, Lieutenant Colonel Murray C. Bernays mm -hmm. who got that idea from Raphael Lemkin. And that made the entire nation of Germany uh, guilty. They were all complicit yes. in, in this uh, war uh, according to this new ex post facto law against crimes against humanity. They hadn't entered, you know, the, the genocide um, uh, uh, genocide wasn't used at Nuremberg. They didn't use that term. It was crimes against humanity and crimes against peace. But well, well, what, Why is that? I don't know, because they weren't ready for it yet, I think. The United Nations has a genocide uh, convention, do they not? Mm -hmm. They use that. Uh, and they established this genocide convention. Yeah. But at Nuremberg, nobody was talking about genocide yet. But you're right. Lemkin coined the term. And and, he, and you know what was interesting when I what? when I was reading a little bit of it, even with Armenian genocide, um, <laughs> the the number fluctuates. Like the number is between six hundred thousand people killed or one point eight million people. So. You know they don't have exact same number either, and uh, I'm not saying which one is correct. I, yeah, I, I'm just telling what I read. Um, so you can run that by me again, because well, when I read it, uh, I think today Wikipedia they're yeah. saying between six hundred thousand to one point eight million Armenians were killed by Turks. Yeah, between nineteen fifteen to nineteen twenty three. Um, Listen to this: <coughs> when I was studying the Romanian uh, mm -hmm. Holocaust, uh, the numbers there have been set in stone. At four hundred, four hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. But there are people in Romania who contest the number and say that there was twenty thousand maximum. 
mm-hmm. and and that and those are census uh, uh, figures from uh, a man that you know was working with a rabbi, by the way. Mm-hmm. A, a census um, taker and a rabbi came up with this lower figure, and I can bring information about that lower figure to you from the New York mm-hmm. uh, rev- review of books mm-hmm. and um, another. Uh, well, another and other sources. So, you know what they're doing is it's by fiat. These figures are being etched in stone by law. They're passing laws. Once the four hundred thousand, uh, let's see, what was it? Two hundred and eighty to four hundred thousand. Okay. I believe that's the spread on Romania. If you doubt those numbers, if you are a professor or if you're a writer, or if you're a broadcaster, and they yeah. want to go after you, and you say, no, these are exaggerated. It's a hate crime. And you're going to be fined and or put into jail for doubting the figure that was set by law. I think it's in, it's illegal in France even to talk about that. Um, to yeah, it is. <laughs> That's the gay sought law. Yeah. G-A-Y-S-O... G-A-Y-S-S-O-T... That you're absolutely right. You've done a lot of studying about this. Um, That's why my work was removed from the um, uh, the the Hay exhibition in uh, Montmartre uh, two months ago because the, the curators were worried about getting in trouble under the gay sought law. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. I mean, do do you know how they came with the six million figure? Like, was there actual bodies? It's like, no. I mean, you know, like I said, I I don't I don't know a whole lot about it. But whenever people throw out these numbers, I I just assume when I was a kid. Um, the six million number is an occult figure that that they've been using since before World War One. Mm-hmm. About six million Jews in dire straits. Six million Jews starving. Six million Jews. Executed finally after World War Two. Um, what, what do you think? What what do you, what do you think is the number? Rough estimate. What do you think? One million, maybe. Okay. I don't know. I mean, that's what I said in the. I think I said set between seven hundred thousand and one million, something like that, to the reporter. And pardon my language, but that's still a lot of fucking people. Yeah, I, but I mean, it's uh, how many? Fifteen million Germans died. Yeah. I mean, more apparently more Germans died after the war than during the war. Did you know that? Was it disease and uh, starvation and so on? Uh, starvation and, and uh, the, um, they were forced marched out of um, Czechoslovakia and, and Eastern Europe when, when, Stalin, when the Iron Curtain came down, wherever there had been Germans, these people had to go home. Yes. And they were forced to, to walk home and on the way, millions died. Uh, also, uh, Eisenhower had POW camps, but he didn't call them prisoners of war. He called them disarmed enemy combatants. That way, he didn't have to treat them as prisoners of war. He and, let, they're, they're, and they're also not under the Geneva Convention? It, it, under, not under the Geneva mm-hmm. Convention. Mm-hmm. They got around the POW thing by calling them disarmed enemy. And, and so they were penned up in these, under miserable conditions. People that Wait, were... But, but that was during the war? No, after, after the, the war. war. These, are, okay. these are the Germans that surrendered. Mm-hmm. 
I think that two million mm -hmm. died. POWs that were not, we didn't call them POWs. Let me play devil's advocate. Yeah. Uh, some people might say, like, well, they started a war, so don't they deserve it? That well, that's, that, that's debatable too, whether yeah. or not they started the war or not. We've been told they started the war, but um, there's countervailing information that they didn't start the war, that the Poles started it. So September 1st, 1939, you're saying that... I, I don't know, because mm -hmm. I haven't really... I can't cover all the bases. Yeah, yeah. Basically, my only interest is Romania. Yeah. And then I've been uh, put on the the dock, you see, as a mm. spokesmodel for the entire Holocaust. Yeah. And I really I can't comment on too much yeah. more because I haven't really studied uh, that much about it. Although my Romanian studies have, have you know made me drift mm -hmm. into other areas for extra information. So. Do but, you? But but this business about you know. I've been I've been really having a good time lately reading um, older books uh, by isolationists, mm -hmm. and I can show some to you that just came in the mail recently that I'm really eager to get my uh, you know my nose into because. Uh, well, are you, are you saying that we should have been not getting involved in World War Two? Oh God, that? no! I don't. I think it was we were we were lured into it. Mm -hmm. Rose. Uh, Roosevelt and well, first Woodrow Wilson was um, the whole League of Nations and uh, well, he had the League of Nations. Yeah, that was after the war, though, did he not? Yeah, World War One. Yeah, uh, but he 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 was elected. I think he was called Wilson the peace candidate, and then yeah. Roosevelt did the same thing. You know, we're not going to war. Yeah, the, the beef in Europe is not our beef. We don't have. I mean, this is a fratricidal war in Europe among. Europeans and uh, we should stay out of it but both of those presidents took us to war after promising the people if they if you elect me I'll keep you out of a war I think if I remember Wilson always struck me as idealist and I think he probably really meant that but I think with FDR let's be honest he does have a reputation being a, a bit of a crafty uh, somewhat devious I think I think I do think he was a very effective leader but um, I, I do believe he was already planned. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Do you know the Tyler Kent story? No. Uh, Tyler Kent was a cipher clerk at uh, for Joseph Kennedy Sr., at, who was the ambassador. To Ireland, the, wasn't he? Uh, no, the Court of St. James. Oh, okay. In England. And uh, uh, Kent was caught with about a, a bunch of telegrams that, that between um, <coughs> Churchill and and Roosevelt, this is mm -hmm. before Churchill's a prime minister, he's only the Lord of the Admiralty and they're already cooking up a war. Right. So well, I think Churchill realized this darkness was spreading throughout the Europe and he knew Hitler's eventual attack England. Um, he knew that was coming. Only person who was aware was Stalin. I, I really believe Stalin was completely surprised that he, he was invaded by Hitler. Did, uh, I'm not... Uh, well, there was a Ribbentrop, uh, what that the, the um, Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, right? When the Nazis were in bed with the with the uh, Soviets, and yes. they both invaded Poland at yes. the same time. They carved it up between them, and you never hear about that. It's always the evil Nazis that yeah. did it. So listen, Jewish uh, people disappearing from Poland mm -hmm. during World War Two. 
a lot of them apparently were moved behind the Urals by the Soviets when they came in with Germany. Yes. And ended up uh, in, in, in uh, their <coughs> concentration camp system in the gulags. Mm -hmm. So, and, and once again, I don't want to make light of what Hitler did because he did kill many, many Jews, but I, I, it does make me, it always been a bit of a curiosity. Ch Chairman Mao killed a lot of Chinese people. Oh God! He was responsible for many, many. I mean, just astronomical number. Stalin, I mean, astronomical. But it's maybe it has something. Pol Pot, astronomical. Yeah. I think it has something to do with if you're killing your own people, the whole world have a tendency we should mind our businesses. Um, Russians. I mean, Stalin was killing a lot of Russians. Um, the Chinese, Chairman Mao was killing, I mean, Chairman Mao ended up being responsible for more Chinese people dead than Japanese. Mm -hmm. I don't justify what the Japanese did, it was horrible. But I just never understood, it's almost seemed like certain group of people market their tragedy better than others. Yeah, that's true. Um, um, but do you, do you regret talking about this? Because it can be pleasant, people calling you names and things like that. Well, I had some some negative feedback from friends of mine that I've had for years. Mm -hmm. that, um, but did they are they truly angry with you, or they're just afraid of their livelihood being? Well, they don't have the they don't have the um, the courage to tell me that they're afraid of their own livelihood or their mm -hmm. reputation in the community. Yeah, they they just want to dump on me, you know. Yeah, abandon you. Yeah, and then as they as they abandon me, they want to let me know how awful they think my my uh, opinions are. Mm -hmm. Like they call me reprehensible and. Uh, why why couldn't people just sit down and talk to you? Like, I I don't have to agree with people to have a conversation. I just yeah. have to sit down. I'm not really well read uh, read on the subject matter, but just, yes, you are. I mean, well, I'm I'm okay, but. I just think... Gee, I mean, you're the most well-read person I've talked to lately. Nobody's ever brought up Raphael Lemkin before with me. My my um, ex-roommate, Joy Kurtzman, obviously by last name, is Jewish. Yeah. And uh, he's been involved with uh, uh, Armenian genocide and things like that. And one other thing he always remind me, this is what he always tell me, if you only care about your own genocide, Israeli genocide, and you don't take consideration other genocide too, yeah. then you lose moral ground. That's true. And how can you talk about, how can you be universal when the only genocide, you can't use a genocide as a lesson mm -hmm. in, in tolerance and peace mm -hmm. if you're only concerned about your own tribe well, or people. Yeah, and that's, and, and Joey as a Jewish person, he's the one who told me about Raphael Lemkins and we were talking about it. And believe me, he loved Jewish people, but it, it's hard to attack people when you are blindsided with others suffering, you know, and whether it's Rwanda. So I, I thought in the early 90s with the whole Schindler's List, I thought it was just ridiculous. They say never again, and sure are. It's going on. We, the whole world watching didn't really do anything, well, you know. The, apparently we can't do much of anything about it because mm -hmm. uh, it's all decided at a very, very lofty level of which none of us are privy to. Mm -hmm. With our opinions and mm -hmm. with our votes. Yes. They don't seem to count. So, I mean, I've, I've really is become completely cynical about participatory American democracy. Because this ad hominem, the name-calling name and personal... Oh, it's, 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 it's shameful. It's relentless. These campaigns between these Republicans and Democrats and the mm -hmm. name-calling and the negative campaigning mm -hmm. that goes on, 
it's really childish and shameful. And I, I just think, let's say for a moment arguments like you're completely wrong. I still think you have the right to express those opinions without getting personal attack. I, yeah. I think people have a right to be wrong. And, and um, I, I don't like when people, I have, I have uh, many good close friends and they know me well now. So when there was this like, accusation before, they stood by me, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, I think, I hope you could take it as an opportunity like, to finally see who really are your friends and who are on your side, you know. Um, but this is a very controversial topic. I mean, I, I, some of my, most of my Jewish friends, when I mention something like that, they don't even want to have a conversation. No. They, they, they think you're, uh, I'm crazy. I just, I want to hear what both sides have to say. Yeah. And, uh, well, listen to this. It's, um, uh, it's becoming more and more difficult mm -hmm. to get, to, to be a revisionist. It, it, uh, um, let, me, let me give you an example. I, don't, I mean, it, it was better in, 15 years ago than it is today. Yeah. And there was more just dialogue, put it that way. It wasn't as vicious. And it wasn't as, uh, oh, what do they call it? Um, litigious. Well, yes. 15 years ago. Now it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty bad. Well, I, I think because legally, I think internet, the, <laughs> these things travel really, really fast. Yeah. You, I, I'm, unfortunately, you found it the hard way. Um, yeah. For example, I, I was in uh, Texas about a month and a half ago, uh, South by Southwest, and uh, I went to Waco, where uh, Branch Davidian, yeah. you know, so I went there, and I didn't realize, you know, it's been, this is the 20th anniversary of a Branch Davidian, and I, I didn't realize, 10 years after the fact, 2003, government finally admit they threw those canisters that started the fire. See, so, so the whole time I just thought that in, people inside of the compound started a fire and and, and I, I, I have no idea and um, well there was an Academy Award winning documentary called Rules of Engagement that I believe laid the blame on the BATF and the FBI I, I, I didn't even know about that movie and uh, the whole time uh, this is something I you know realized recently so but what happened was I drove into the Prince Davidian there was a monument um, it has all the names of victims and their family. And there's a lot of kids mm -hmm. who died. Yeah. And and um, it was sponsored by I think something like Northern Texas Militia Group or whatever. And you know I don't I don't I don't know any militia group, but people have a tendency to stereotype them, made them look like crazy gun nuts and so on and so. On. But I, I read some of the things and I could kind of understand where they're coming from. Like they're being they're already being judged by the whole world. Like gun nuts, but the reality, the government, they were right the whole time. <laughs> yeah. they, they were right. They, they, they've been saying, like, they didn't start the fire, and government finally admit that yeah. after the fact. So, unfortunately. Um, well, that's the problem. I mean, it, Mr. Kraft, I mean, I, I, I think you're going to have, unfortunately, a lot of attack. I, I, I hope it died down. Well, it's died down. I mean, okay. It's, it was a media moment, but it was all negative mostly. And it's died down, and I'm, I'm back in my studio, and mm -hmm. my business hasn't fallen off. I mean, it has. It hasn't. It has not. Okay. It's attracted attention. Yes. Uh, and people are, saw my art that didn't see it before, and they're not really concerned about my you know, political or historical beliefs, they're just mm -hmm. interested in owning a piece of the art.
And um, most of my art isn't about the Holocaust. No, I see most of it. It's yeah. a very small percentage yeah. of it. Um, so that yeah. was kind of nice. I mean, they read about me, and then they took the time to go and look at what I make to see mm -hmm. what that was about. And then some of them have uh, got in touch with me, and they want to buy some. Have you had any Jewish organization want to talk to you? Yes, I they have. Do. Yeah. Uh, are they attacking you, or they want to just want to talk to you first? They want to talk to me, and they and they want me to make a. I, I told them I didn't want to give them an interview, and then they came back, and, mm -hmm. and I'm, it's something that I'm dealing with right now. It's a local Jewish newspaper. Yeah, they want me to uh, to say something. Do you, do you do you feel like? I mean, they're very persistent. Actually, I, I gave them the brush. I I, I explained to them I'm mm -hmm. tired of I'm interviews. And personal attacks. Yeah, I said it's an auto de fe. I mean, mm -hmm. why why give you more rope to hang me? Yeah. And then they they came back and twice, and I asked anyway. It's a it's a I'm would, dealing with them. Would it help if you have a third party that uh, that you trust and they trust? Would would you do it in that circumstance? No, no. Why okay. why drag a third party in? I mean, okay. Let them hang me if they feel they must. I mean. I, I'm not going to win. Yeah, it's a lost cause. People are going to just assume things yeah. about you. Um, it's already a lost cause, pretty much. Are you, are you okay? Because um, oh yeah, I'm okay. Okay, I, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I, I'm okay with it. I mean, yeah, I was. I just didn't, I just didn't like people accusing me being racist because I'm Asian. My brother's Asian, and my brother said you're very kind to him and you're very nice to him. And uh, he did tell me he was a little intimidated talking to you because you're this great artist. Yeah. Yeah. But um, my brother, you know, we face racism in this country, and he 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 told me like he never sensed that any of that stuff from you, and nothing but generosity and kindness. Yeah. Know? Oh well, thanks. I mean, I, I try to deal with people. Yeah. And you didn't know me, and I could have very well come in here and attack you, embarrass you. That that wasn't my intention, but you didn't know that. Yeah. You know. So, uh, like I said, I. Um, I want to give you a chance to talk about it, and um, I do have friends. I don't want to name their friends, but um, he's got walls after walls of uh, you know <laughs> books about Zionism, this and that, and he 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 feels strongly, and he's been reading it for years. He's from Washington State too. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't had a chance to talk to him, but my my personal feeling is, no matter if you're wrong or right, I just think it's okay to have this dialogue. Is this person a Zionist or an anti-Zionist? He. I, I think he was more anti. Okay. Uh, but I don't even know what that word means, really. I just hear... Well, it, a, it means that you don't think that Israel has a right to exist, that the, the nation was built on stolen land. I see. And I guess I guess it just depends who you talk to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, like I said, that part of the world is so foreign to me, and I'm from Asia, so I, I really couldn't tell you. Um, I bet you if I spend time talking to a Jewish person, I'd be sympathetic. Just like if I spend time with Palestinian, I'd be feel sympathetic too. Right. Um, there are Jewish anti-Zionists, though. Believe it or not. Uh, Noam Chomsky, I think, is one of them. If I remember right, uh, I think he's very critical of Israel. Well, he's not very. You know, the, the, the most critical person is Norman Finkelstein. Oh, I didn't even know who that is. Well, you should read his book called *The Holocaust Industry*. Okay. You should look into Norman Finkelstein, because he's a, a very dissident um, Jewish. Uh, Professor. He is Jewish, right? Because yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he's lost two jobs as mm -hmm. a result of his uh, his beliefs. He's been real, uh, drummed out of two universities. Mm -hmm. And he's an anti-Zionist. Uh, 
He's an anti-Zionist. Mm -hmm. And he's also um, very uh, aware of how the Holocaust is being used as a as a financial and political shakedown tool. Mm -hmm. So, um, I would highly recommend um, Finkelstein. Just go on YouTube and do Finkelstein. Just okay. watch him at watch him at work. It's really fun to watch. It, it, it's really interesting because um, I go to Germany quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends there, and I'm originally from Japan. Now, I, I I personally feel like, and this is something my roommate Joey Krishma was telling me. He think Germans gone really out of their way to make the what have what they did during the World War Two and I really actively apologize. What I'm always shocking to me is, not only, it's not the Japanese denied, they don't even talk about what they did during World War II. And it, it, to me, I think they're just worse, in my opinion. I don't know, maybe because it's easier for me to criticize my background, but they just don't talk about it. They don't even write anything. They don't even deny it, just don't period, acknowledge or talk about that stuff at all. And believe me, Japanese has committed tremendous amount of atrocity throughout Asia. And it's really strange that they're not really fully uh, accountable. They just kind of ignore whenever Chinese or Korean people or uh, any other ethnic groups complain about what the Japanese did. It's a different dynamic. Um, but as far as Holocaust denying things, yeah. I don't think it's much. It has to do with Germans. I don't. I don't think there's a lot of that in Germany. What do you mean? Run that by me again. I don't think there's a lot of denying about Holocaust. The Holocaust. No, in Germany. There's a lot of it, like in France. It seems. Well, the, the, uh, Forrest Son, Robert Forrest Son is a, a French professor mm -hmm. who's a Holocaust, um, let's call him revisionist because mm -hmm. we're using the enemy's term denier when you... You, you really mean revision, like... You, revisionism is history has to be revised to mm -hmm. bring um, uh, it into accord with the facts. And, and we can't always get the facts right after an event. It takes time for the event to be um, recorded what, what? and filtered. But by the way, when you say you don't believe a gas chamber, so you think those pictures are manufactured? When you see those pictures... Have you ever seen a picture of a gassing? I, well, no, I don't have the actual... No, I have not well, seen it. Where did none exist? But... Mm. Uh, what do you want me to say about the, pic the pictures of the people that were... Those bodies mm -hmm. that were being uh, bulldozed into pits mm -hmm. when Buchenwald was uh, liberated? Or oh, Ashwitz. Uh, well, Auschwitz was never, we didn't see Auschwitz for a decade because it was given to the um, communists in right. Poland. No Americans were allowed into Auschwitz for a decade. After so the we, fact. After okay. the fact, so we have no idea what it looked like. They don't, they don't have a pictures or records of it? Because I, my, no, mm. and they haven't been released. Because it just seems like one of the things I remember was Germans are really, <laughs> this is terrible to say, Germans are pretty good at like, Almost accounting like records of a people that they supposedly yeah. killed. Yeah, I know. So, and, what, and you're saying those numbers don't add up to close to six million? No, I, I say they don't add up to six million, and I'd say that none of the bodies that you saw in the movies mm -hmm. they were autopsied by army pathologists. Nobody mm -hmm. found any hydrogen cyanide in any of those corpses. They they autopsied over a thousand of them mm -hmm. to see what was going on. And there was no traces of uh, Zyklon B in any of them. And uh, the reason they looked the way they did is because some of them were um, starving. There was no 
rolling stock in yeah. Germany left, which meant the camps could not be supplied with medicine or food. Yeah. We had destroyed with carpet bombing their entire railroad system. Okay. So how are the trains going to get there with, with the supplies to feed these people? They, they can't get there. The train, that they found at Dachau with, all the, with uh, 1,500 corpses um, inside was full of bullet holes yeah. from American strafing. And um, there was typhus epidemics raging through these camps. And the reason they had gas chambers in the camps were to disinfect the clothing and the bedding of these inmates as they're brought in from wherever they were rounded up, you know, mm -hmm. in Eastern Europe and the Russian Front and, and the Baltic states and Romania and all these places. They were a slave labor force that the mm -hmm. Germans needed because all their men were off fighting and on the front. So who's going to make the war material to, for these guys to use? And um, why I don't understand why the uh, Germans would want to to uh, put to death their labor force. It's, I mean, there were slave laborers. Why kill them? And if they were going to kill them, why have hospitals there treating the sick? Uh, you read about the Holocaust, you find yeah. out about Elie Wiesel, he, in his book, famous book, Night, he's taken to a hospital, they treat his yeah. leg, I think, and, and, and his father is ill, and they treat him. And why, why bother if they're going to kill you to, to, to waste medicine on you in a hospital? I don't, I, I you know, like I said, yeah, <laughs> I'm not I, expert, I don't have an answer for those. All I could tell is, when I went to high school, we didn't really we didn't cover any of those sort of things. Yeah, it was, it was just just I read it was six million. That's it. Well, yeah. and, and uh, um, you know, like I said, I'm not pointing finger to anyone, but that's that's how I was brought up. Yeah, and that was always fixed, and, and there was never a raised question. I, I I will say that I, I even as when I was 18, I remember in high school and college, the number for Russian, Chinese, Armenian was fluctuated depends on who was teaching it or material. But the, the six million Jew was constantly same number year in year out. So. It's even weird because um, at, at Auschwitz they determined uh, that the number four million that were murdered there supposedly mm -hmm. yeah. was reduced to one point two million in about 1983 by by the um, <coughs> by the Auschwitz uh, Memorial Museum. So there's a there, wait. So was that an uproar back then that, when that news was released? No, it's like non-news. <laughs> it's the strangest thing. Yeah, we're missing over what? What's the difference between that's one point two million off to six, right? Yeah. Or no, four minus one point two leaves whatever. Two point eight. Yeah, two point eight should be shaved off to six. Yeah, but it didn't get done. It's weird. There's a whole bunch of um, uh, oh man. Um, mathematical um, leisure domain mm -hmm. that is used to keep that number six. It's, I think the official number, Raoul Hilberg is the, the, the Pope of you know, Holocaust scholars, uh, is five million and ninety something. Five million nine hundred and seventy six thousand or something, you know. But uh, my interest now, listen to this, is, and we don't have to talk about it anymore, but I'm, yeah. I'm interested in Mm -hmm. Not the forensics. Yeah. 
Forasson and these other revisionists in the 80s, mm -hmm. they've determined, you know, this guy, um, Fred Leuchter, who, uh, that movie, did you ever see Mr. Death? No. Uh, Errol Morris's movie about the guy that went in and made the scrapings on the gas chamber wall to see if there were traces of cyanide in the masonry? He found none. Um, and that's the forensics. Like, where are the bodies buried? They don't. They can't tell you where the bodies are buried. Nobody's yeah. ever un unearthed them, you know? They have these cockamamie stories about uh, the bodies were buried, then they were, um, they were disinterred mm -hmm. and then burned on pyres. They, the, the, they were buried in the ground, then dug up, and then burned. I mean, that's insane. Okay, so that's forensic evidence against the, the received history of the Holocaust. It's in place. What the revisionists haven't really looked at, because revisionism is dying. I mean, there's fewer and fewer as these guys get older and older. And the ones that were really good have been jailed, and they're out of the ball game now. They've been sidelined by law. They, 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 they're going to uh, go back into prison if they break their probation. And their probation is this. Don't you talk about it anymore. And I can't imagine if you're a young professor, college, university, I don't think you really have incentive to do something. No, because you'll lose your wife, you'll lose your job, mm -hmm. and you'll lose your respect in the community if you get anywhere near this with a an opinion yeah. or, or a set of facts that are run contrary to, yeah. to the, to, you know, to the um, the received history of it. Um, but anyway, I want to just say this. Yeah. I'm really excited about it, too, because um, I'm getting more and more information, little by little. Yeah. Uh, the Holocaust is a psychological warfare operation. Mm -hmm. You know, it was set up in, in, uh, in um, these departments uh, of the OSS, United States um, Secret, you know, Service, Secret, uh, Secret Intelligence. The OSS with um, the um, British. Right. Um, MI something. Uh, MI5, but it was called the Political Warfare Executive, which mm -hmm. was inside MI6, I believe. And there's evidence that um, that these guys um, were created it as atrocity propaganda. Yeah. And then, after the war, they let it stand. Mm -hmm. Because they said the same thing in World War One about Germans. Uh, bayoneting babies, gassing people uh, in, in mass. Um, anyway, so I, I think that there's a story, and, and um, somebody's got to unearth this, about Hollywood, because there was Alfred Hitchcock, George Stevens, uh, Sam Fuller, and um, Billy Wilder were all given commissions in the OS, in, in the um, United States um, field photography OSS unit and they were there at the liberations of the camps I believe that George Stevens built the gas chamber at Dachau as a set to, 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 to film a, a newsreel and also uh, as a set to run these senators that they flew in from the United States to show them yeah. uh, you know this fake fucking gas chamber fake as the day is long man I've seen it and it is, it's like, it's cuckoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. And the one at Auschwitz is a reconstruction. That's been determined. That the the the, 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 it, it, the Russians I, I, rebuilt the chimney. They rebuilt the room. The whole bit. I mean, come on. They're they're faking us out.
at those two camps when they and millions of people go there to look at this and they'd love to hear about you know but Major Crab, I gotta say yeah. when most people hear this I mean they just they would just assume I don't know what to make of it because I, I well heard, you could go to just yeah, research yeah. it yourself yeah. if you think I'm lying or if I just no, 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 pull this I, out I, of my ass I'm not I haven't I've heard stuff like this but I think most people just growing up with similar education like mine when they hear it they they would just assume you're a nut (laughs) I'm just I don't want to lie to you I don't want to lie to you because um, I don't care a lot of people think I'm a nut I mean they've been thinking I'm a nut most of my life even before I was crazy about history they thought I was a little bit of a nut but this is really, you know, a touchy subject. So I mean, yeah. What do you want me to do? Sit here and pretend that I? No, no, no. I'm not. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not. I'm not. I would definitely like to um, maybe have a chance to talk to somebody who are on opposite position from yours. I, I mean, I mean, I'm just curious. Yeah. I, I don't. I know just enough, but like, I'm not expert in anything. You know. But well, you be, be you best stay away from this subject unless you want to get in this kind of trouble I'm in. And, and if you do want to go deeper into it, keep your mouth shut. Yeah. My big well, it's too late now. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> My big I'm, not, I'm not afraid of people, you know, in addition to, like, working in, uh, doing stand-up and stuff, yeah. I, I work in the porn business for 14 years, and in that business, I've been called all sorts of names before, but I'm used to it. I'm, I'm, I was born in Japan, but I'm ethnically Korean. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, this is why I stand right now. Korean people say I'm Japanese because I grew up in Japan. Yeah. And Japanese say I'm Korean. But if I do something great with my life, you Jap- Japanese will say, oh, I did a great thing because I grew up in Japan. And Korean people will say... Wait, what's your mom and dad? Both of my parents are Korean. Oh, then you're a Korean. What do you, what do you mean? What, what difference does it make uh, where you to, grew up? Because, well, it, it does to a lot of Korean Japanese people. because To uh, Koreans or to Japanese? Both. It does. Because Korean people say like, well, you have Japanese name, you're you're a traitor, this and that. I've heard this all kinds of talk like this before, and um, um, I I just figure like I'm I'm just gonna stand on my own, and like I let people say whatever they want to say. I want to hear what they have to say, and I'll make my own conclusion. But name calling, I'm tired of it because I I you know it's 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 silly. It, it, it's but I just don't like if they don't give you opportunity to give you chance to respond. I just don't like when people are trying to tarnish you because you work really hard for your art, and, and uh, I just I just want fairness. If they want to say you're evil, fine. Oh, that right. You yeah. know, but we haven't even talked about the art. I mean, this history is my hobby. Yes, it it doesn't really. Um, my art, a little bit of it, reflects my historical mm-hmm. studies. You know, my curiosity about the World War about World War Two. But my, I, I'm 65 years old. I've spent all of my life since I was 18. Yes. As a professional artist, I've lived by my wits as an artist. Yes. And, and I see your work. It's beautiful work. I mean, and, and yeah. So I mean, there's the art that I make. That's a handicraft. Right. Um. I so I have a son, and I asked my son one day who his favorite artist was, and he said Robert Williams. And I remembered Robert Williams from uh, the Haight Ashbury when he was illustrating um, for Zap Comics, but. My son knew him from Thrasher Magazine as a painter, and so. Um, well, that's a skateboarding, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My son was a skateboarder. Um, so he had a Thrasher Magazine, and he showed me these illustrations, uh, these paintings by Robert Williams that he really liked. Mm-hmm. And there was a uh, a drawing that he had done of himself underneath the tree with all of his influences on the tree, all yeah. the branches, and all the leaves. There was a name there. And one of the branches was Von Dutch, 
And I thought, man, whatever happened to Von Dutch? I wrote to Robert Williams, uh, and I got Von Dutch's uh, address, and I started corresponding with him. And that's how I drifted into ceramics, because I wanted to do a portrait in the Dutch style of Von Dutch. It was a play on the word mm -hmm. Dutch. So I had to take a China painting class from these ladies in um, Seattle to learn how to make a painting on a, a tile that, that would be permanent, you know, how to bake it in. I, I didn't know how to do that. How, so, how, so how quickly did you realize you were like actually pretty good at painting those um, ceramics and things like that right away? Well, of course, because I had 20 years of painting practice well, well, behind me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty good. I mean, I'm not... I, I'm kind of a fraud, really, because I use all the tricks in the book, you know. Right. I'm, I, but I, we don't know that. Yeah, you don't know how many tricks I need. But um, And plus, I wear glasses, so I can't see. Mm -hmm. But, um, uh... I, you know, I just drifted into that ceramic thing. I did that tile, which was a tile portrait of Von Dutch, mm -hmm. and I sent it to him, and I just liked the look of it so much that I kept on uh, doing this um, uh, paint, painting on ceramics. I started off with plates, doing disasters on plates, and then I drifted into the guns, making guns, and that's where I'm still kind of stuck. I've become, I tell people, an employee of an old idea, yeah. and I'm, I'm obliged to reproduce... Um, my work for the people that have just discovered it. They get in yeah. touch with me or they go to a gallery and they they see something and then they they ask for it and if somebody asks for it, I'll make it for them. So, nobody's asking me for paintings anymore. Yeah. They're just asking me for ceramics. But, um, yeah, that's... My story is that I... I, I, be, I knew early what I wanted to be. Yeah. I really looked up to artists. I thought they were visionaries, you know. I've been told that they were visionaries. And and the more I studied their lives, the more I realized that they're unique people with a little bit maybe they maybe see more than most people. They're open to more influences and um and they they lead they they carve out lives for themselves. Yeah. And I respect that, especially in a regimented society, you know, where everything has to do with what your job is, you mm -hmm. see. And to be self-employed um, has been the biggest blessing I can think of it uh, for me because I haven't, I haven't made a lot of money, but I've had all this time to myself. Right. And the trade-off is the time is more important than the money. Yeah. Really. And it's harder and harder in America to be able to carve out an existence as an artist because when I started, rents were cheap, supplies were cheap, mm -hmm. uh, travel was cheap, and um, you could just sort of be an artist without too much um, worry. But yeah. It's something I would not recommend a young person to do unless they were ready to... Um, sacrifice their security. I don't have much security as a result of a lifetime of art making, mm -hmm. um, but I'm not going to cry over that spilt milk because, as I said, I never had to go to work for anybody else. You work for yourself. I work yeah. for myself, and 
in those times when I wasn't selling art, mm -hmm. I figured out ways to get food on you know my table, and I, I took odd jobs and did whatever it, it 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 takes to proceed to be able to make art because I like doing it and I find it you know rather therapeutic. It, it just seems like I'm sure you noticed with young, um, I guess I'm in that generation too. But many of the young people, whether they're they want to become musician or artists. They want instant success. They don't realize, like you were saying, you put 20 years before you did ceramics. Yeah. Like you had to work a really long time, and there's no guarantee of it. There was no, no. No guarantee at all. And it but I had fun. Yeah. I did not, I mean, I, looking back on, on, on that career choice, it yeah. was good for me. But times have changed radically in this country, so it's going to be harder for somebody to try to do what I did today because it was so easy to to drop out in 1965, which is when I began. And I'm not going to say it's a hostile environment, but it, it does seem like it's tougher to do creative things like that. You People know? are so like worried about creativity, you mm -hmm. know. And then, and 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 there's not that much respect, I don't believe, yeah. uh, in this society for artists. I think in Europe they have a higher regard for artists, and maybe in Asia. For sure, um, when I was visiting my friend Christoph in Budapest, Hungary, and uh, I think his son was five at the time, and uh, he's, he's French, his wife is Hungarian, and, and we were talking, and like, I asked her, like, what would you like your son to become when you get older? And she said, artist. I've never heard a response like that ever before. Yeah. Uh, especially with Asian parents, it's usually like doctors, lawyer, accountant, or engineer, you know. But right. I, I don't think I've ever heard artists, except for my friend David Cho's mother. Uh, David's a very successful graffiti artist, and his, his mother and father, uh, his, I think his dad was a, success, a very uh, talented artist, but because of his family education, he wasn't able to pursue it. But both of the parents were very supportive of him. But other than that, I've never heard any parents saying, I want my son to be an artist. I've never heard anything especially in America, that's just unheard of. Yeah, I would be invited to go talk to uh, graduate students in colleges, mm -hmm. and uh, I'd go to their studios. When you get to the graduate level, yeah. they, they issue you a yeah. studio, and you get to work in there on your thesis. And I would always ask these kids if they had any kind of um, backup plan. Yeah. Because uh, once they got out of the school environment, they'd s learn quickly that... It's really like it's a doggy dog out yeah. there, and they're not going to. It would be good to to have a trade. I always said, told them, think about a trade. Mm -hmm. You know, go to a community college and get a trade under your belt. Yeah, because there's going to be lean times when you're going to need a skill that you can market um, when you're not paying, when you're not being able to sell whatever you want to make. Yeah, so plumbers are making. I think a plumber makes almost as much as a, a, a as a doctor, you know, a, a doc, uh, like a guy in an emergency room. Yeah. Going to medical school, you know, that has to do the sit there at the emergency room taking in uh, gunshot victims. He's making about as much as the guy that comes and fixes my my uh, sink. For sure. <laughs> and electricians you come in and wire the house, man. And I I always like. And yeah, I, I know you're well aware of this. I don't know how many times you hear writers and painters. It was years and years after when they passed away. Finally, 
their worker appreciated, you know? Like yeah. Van Gogh, I mean, geez, he, he thought he was a complete failure. And I don't know, uh, just hundreds of writers throughout history, people really didn't have appreciation. Maybe they were just way ahead of their time. And I, I, I do have a lot of respect for writers and artists and musicians when their work wasn't appreciated because that's that's like a major risk that you, you face. And you're, you're one of the few lucky ones, actually, in, of course, day two, that in your lifetime you were at least appreciated for what you were doing. You know, yeah, um, I'm 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 that I'm I'm pretty lucky because I mean there's got to be hundreds of thousands of artists right now that struggling probably will never get recognized for their work. You know, they're a lot better than I am too, and it's sad because um, it, I don't know exactly if there's a formula for success that can be um, shared. You see, with anybody else, do you think, do you think there's a bit of a luck involved? Too? Luck? Yeah. Oh, certainly. I think a lot of the artists that we hear too much about are not <coughs> that great as far as mm -hmm. te techni technical, uh, you know, the facil their facility. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a, I, I read about artists in the magazines and I look at what they make and I just wonder how in the hell did these guys even get in the magazines? I, do, I don't understand it. Do you, do you think there's a bit of a showmanship with these guys? Because I think I, there's a network that, that you can get you can tap into mm -hmm. somehow, and I don't know where you can do it, but... Yeah. Uh, well, let me give you an example. Yeah. I, I've never been to it, but it's interesting to a public like Art Bonzo in Miami. Mm -hmm. I don't know how these things work. I've never been there, but it just seems like when I talk to a couple of my friends, it, there's a lot of like showmanship, there's a lot of networking, and the right people have to like your work for you to, you know... Yeah. To, to progress in the art world, and, and like... Even... even even my association with Dave, it just seems like now that he became famous through Facebook uh, fortune, it seems like that the notoriety will help him sell more paintings. And his work is not any different than two years ago before the news was released, like a year and a half ago. You know, hmm. what um, did he do? I never even heard of this guy. So my friend David Cho is a, a talented graffiti artist friend from um, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So what happened was seven, eight years ago, he met Sean Parker, one of the founders of Facebook. They asked him to do graffiti work for their first Facebook office. So when he was done, they offered him... Oh, I heard this. They gave him some stock options. They offered him either 60000 cash, if I remember, yeah. or stocks in Facebook. Yeah. And he thought the Facebook thing was dumb, and at the time, you know, MySpace was king. But what he told me was, if I remember right... He didn't give a shit about Facebook, but he recognized the genius within Mark Zuckerberg and Sean Parker. So he bid money on those two guys. He didn't really give a shit about Facebook, mm -hmm. as far as that's how I remember. And of course, February 7th of last year, news was released. And as you know, newspaper people need interesting, dramatic stories. So instead of talking about others with more share in Facebook, they picked Dave because that seemed like more dramatic news. Mm -hmm. And as my impression is, they people who made money in Facebook, they'd rather let Dave take the, all the spotlight and not deal with it. So I think it was blessing and curse for him because I don't think he really appreciated that spotlight like that. So it's been crazy for him too. Huh. You know? So, so and, and this is an interesting part. They did the same thing with you. He said, why don't you just cooperate with us because we're going to release this news anyway. And he just said, fuck that. I'm not going to... That's like threat. Like, you're going to write in a way more favorable for me if I cooperate with you, but you're going to release anyway. So he didn't cooperate with them, so mm. they released the news, yeah. 
I think I, <coughs> Jr. told me that story, but I, I wasn't aware of him. Yeah, the stock is like so. According to New York Times, it's worth two to three hundred million. I, I have no idea. This guy, your friend, two hundred yeah. million. So wow. that's why that's why it was such a big news, you know. And, uh, wow, that's a lot of millions. What's so I, I don't know. That's why that's why they, I I never I never talk discuss about it because it's none of my business. But the, the newspaper said between two to three hundred. And uh, once again, in some articles, one million, man. Right? Yeah, some articles say half a billion. Once again, I don't know how they came up with these numbers. Yeah, but, um, just for a guy that went in and graffitied their office for two three weeks. Yeah. My God. So that that's why it was such a big news last year. Um, that must be a big chunk of stock. Oh, sure. He's considered like one of the founders or something like that. And all he did was he was called in to to to, to decorate. Yeah, graffiti work. Yeah. I'll be damned. So you know, only in America something like this happened. But um, but uh, Mr. Kraft. Yeah. Uh, just to summarize. Uh, I, I really appreciate you doing this last minute. I know you know. Um, I hope you don't feel like I've. I give you a fair chance. I'm, like I say, I don't know enough for me to say one way or another, but uh, I just remember from high school it was six million, and I've had friends who dispute that, like, yeah. like yourself. I just like giving people a fair chance to say whatever they have to say. I don't want. I don't like pointing fingers. So I, I'm glad. Um, I hope I, I. I hope I give you a fair chance to say your side, and um, I also want to say that. Um, I do like your work. Um, they're beautiful work, attention to detail, and I'm, I'm no art critic, but I think they're beautiful work of art. And I want to let everybody know, some people think that's all you ever do is like Hitler mock. That's not true. You have plenty of other stuff that have nothing to do with any of that. And um, I'm glad that in the beginning your parents weren't supportive, but once uh, they realized that this is what you want to dedicate your life, I was really happy to hear that they were supportive. and. And, and before they passed away, they saw you have success. And um, I hope, um, you know, things get back to normal. And I hope um, you know who your friends are. And um, I'm, you know, I hope this wasn't like a heartache for you, you know? No, it's not a heartache. Um, I just, because I. Oh, this, this whole, this controversy. Yeah. Because I just feel like no matter you right or wrong, I just think people have a right to have opinions, and uh, I don't think they should be attacked for having opinion. That's that's my uh, big thing, and I'm a big believer in free speech. And uh, you know, I hope people stop harassing you. Well, I, I the, the you know, it's not been a question of harassment really. It's mm -hmm. been a question of um, of taking time from my studio work <laughs> to yeah. to indulge the media. Yeah. Who was are looking for a story? Yeah. So and and um, like I told you, I, uh, I I pretty much put a stop to that. I mm -hmm. started to say no to people. So it's not a win situation. And um, before we end, I'll give you two examples. I remember uh, when the bombing in Atlantic City happened '96. The security guard Richard Jewell, in mm -hmm. the beginning, they thought he was a hero. So they're saying wonderful things about him. But soon that they they started falsely accusing him had something to do with the bombing at Atlantic City. Yeah. They started saying like, he's fat, he's unattractive, he blew his mother. All those things are true, but why is it that they didn't mention that when he was a hero? And the media, is, they could quickly turn against you. And, and he was found later on innocent. He had nothing to do with the bombing. Yeah. Uh, and then the recently, this Boston Marathon bombing, uh, there was a kid missing and they recently found his body, tragically. I, I don't know how he, how he died, but 
there was a moment when people started accusing him of being the third bomber and things like that. So, you know, I think before people point a finger at you, at least hear people what they, you know, let them say what they have to say, then make a decision after that. But I just thought, what little I did reading about you, it was just all attack. It was just attack, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you didn't believe Holocaust never happened. And obviously no. talking to you, that wasn't the case. And then, um, you know, if you want to distribute the number, I think you have every right. And, 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 and people who don't agree with you, they, you know, you guys could hash out by showing evidence, I guess. You know. The problem with this business is that it, nobody has the time to actually, um, mm -hmm. unless you really are curious and kind of obsessed like I am. Yeah. There, there's no time in your, in your day to study this thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's an it's a <coughs> academic on one level undertaking that is time, very time consuming yeah and you've got to read a lot because there's not that much information really yet um, that's been uploaded visually but there's some stuff on the internet that you can watch that's pretty yeah. good but basically it's still in books and these books are really hard to get because they no mainstream distributor or publisher will carry this material yeah so you've got to search it out and um, that takes time, so yeah. it's kind of like a. Um, it, it's it's um, for for most people, there's no upside because they're afraid call, getting called names, you know. Yeah, but I mean, uh, the deal is that I I got into it because I was my curiosity led me there. Yeah, it's not I'm I'm not trying to make a political statement. Right, I'm just trying to find out more about um, what actually happened and yeah. and. and it's a rabbit hole. You just get led down and deeper and deeper into this thing, and you realize what you've been told is not the truth. Yeah. Or if it's not the whole truth, it's half the truth. But it's there's a, a lot more to um, what we learned in school right. about the war, World War Two and World War One, than you can possibly imagine. I mean, really. Yeah. The victors write the history, and, and there's the loser side of the story, and that's important, too. Yes. So, anyway. Uh, before I let you go, yeah. uh, what, what's your art website so that people could check out your art? Oh, uh, the best way to do that would be to go to www.charlescraft.com. I'm building a website, and it's not finished. So. Um, and Craft is spelled K-R-A-F-F-T. Yeah, there's two Fs in my yeah. name. What, what I would do if you want to get a sense of what I make is just put my name in a Google image search mm -hmm. and all the places where um, my uh, art has been um, featured yeah. will pop up and you can there's about three pages of it and you can just bounce around and look at it all. Okay. That's the best way to see the panoply of, of my production Yeah, because I, I, I haven't gotten everything uploaded to my website. Okay. And there's lots of stuff that I forgot I made that people remember and took pictures of. And some of that stuff is up on the internet and I don't even know where... I mean, I'm always finding new places on the internet where someone's seen something that I've done that I've forgotten I did. Okay. Well, okay, I'll, I'll find your website, put it on my website. And uh, I apologize, you know, I'm, I'm not technically uh, adept at this recording, so I might have made a mistake, but uh, uh, that's no fault, Mr. Kraft. And, um, you can call uh, me Charlie. Uh, Charlie. Yeah, really. And um, uh, thanks for doing this last minute. I appreciate it. And I uh, hope people give you a chance and uh, just read up on these things and think on their own. Yeah. Um, if anybody wants to get some information from me, they can um, email me, and I'd be happy to 
share what I know. Okay. If there's an interest. Okay. Uh, is, is it a good way to just contact through Facebook then? Uh, uh, you contact me through my Facebook page, sure, and message me on that, and then uh, if you want, we can carry on an email conversation. You don't mind giving your email address now so the people who... Go ahead. Oh, I don't know what it is. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you wouldn't know. Okay, it's who, W-H-O, D-A-R-E-S, dares, wings, W-I-N-G-S. So it's who, dares, wings, at yahoo.com. Great. And uh, I'm available for any um, uh, chat. Okay. As long as you're not going to you know, dump all over me and... The thing I hate the most are uh, these people that use foul language. Yeah. You know, they can't even think. They just want to spew yeah. um, expletives at you. Yeah. It's really stupid. And it's I don't like receiving them, and I don't send them. So, And it's a waste of time of yours, too. So yeah, really. If you have a genuine question, email him. Yeah. And then I uh, uh, hope you guys uh, um, enjoy this conversation. So uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. Good night. Bye.